Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back again to Better on Blockchain. My name is Chris. I am the CEO of Reach, and this is... Jay. Hi, everyone. I'm Jay McCarthy, the CTO of Reach. Uh, so once again, for a second episode in a row, uh, we decided not to do the traditional Better on Blockchain and rather kind of talk about basics of blockchain because there was another, another topic that has been coming up quite a bit lately, um, and uh, we just want to talk about it. So Jay, you want to kind of intro the the topic? Yeah. So there's this idea that people talk about a lot called a DAO. And a DAO stands for a decentralized autonomous organization. And we're going to dig deep into what this is. And, uh, you know, I am um, the extreme theoretician of the two of us. And so I want to start off with the question, what is even an organization? Because you can't say what a decentralized autonomous one is until you say what an organization is. All right, go for it, Jay. <laughs> so I'd like to think of an organization as being something that has resources, it has actions, and it has some way of deciding what actions to take. So this is obviously like a really abstract thing to think about, um, but I think that it applies to lots of different uh, situations in the world. So for instance, like a club, they, you know, are going to make announcements about how we're having, uh, you know, our ballroom dance meeting on Tuesday. And so they have some procedure to decide how they, you know, make that announcement. And the fact that they do the announcement is like, you know, the action that they take. And then they, the resource that they have is sort of like they have their voice. You know what I mean? It's like they, they're uniquely the one saying it. And, you know, maybe they have like club dues or something like that. But that's like a really lame organization. But I think that this concept scales to very, very big organizations, you know, like governments and companies, they have clearly identified resources like, you know. They have these vast, uh, you know, different kinds of treasuries of different, um, you know, different assets. They have, you know, their stocks, they have their, uh, like their cash reserves and their actions are mostly about paying people. Um, but also, you know, they can make utterances like clubs can, and they can, you know, I don't know, sell stuff. They can cause things to be made. And they also have their own procedures for deciding what actions to take. All right. So. An organization is a group of people that make decisions of something happening. Is that right? Well, I mean, you said group of people making decisions. Or a group I think of that, things. I think that the organization, it is the resources. It, it's the combination of these three things. Because I think that people assume that like a DAO, and we haven't really got to the DAO part, but people right. assume organizations are going to do something like voting. You know what I mean? Many right. popular DAOs are based on voting. Uh, but there's no reason that organizations have to vote. When we look in the real world, lots of organizations act very well without voting. For instance, most companies effectively have personal rule of the CEO. Um, and then the CEO, you know, can be replaced by the board, which is represented by the stockholders. So there's like, there's voting comes in a little bit with companies, um, but many, many organizations are not voting on every single decision. To, to but I mean- decision making has to happen it doesn't necessarily have to be a vote right but yeah yeah, yeah true. decisions would have to get me made yeah yeah exactly and i think that's a good point i i jumped on you a little bit too much there where when you when you said decision i i i heard voting but that wasn't really right but i guess my point too is is that it's the 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 organization is less about the people and more about the resources right the people only come in because they might be part of the decision making process even though you jumped on me, I want to earmark 
talk about voting for later and the different types of voting because yeah. I, I know I know specifically you you think a lot about different types of voting. So yeah, totally. we'll, we'll talk about that later. All right. So that, that's like a really broad way to say what an organization is. That's so broad that it's almost kind of meaningless because like everything is an organization in that framework. Right. Um, but I think that the big thing that's um, hard about organizations is, is that the decision-making process uh, is not directly connected to the act, the acting process. So have you ever been part of an organization where the organization quote decided to do something, but that thing didn't actually happen? Uh, oh, all the time. I mean, yeah, for 100%. So like, what's an example? I can think of uh, some silly ones and my family and stuff like that. I mean, there's been multiple times. I mean, with companies that I have managed before where we spend a lot of time strategizing about a uh, an amazing thing that we're going to do, and then it just never ended up happening. Um, it's, yeah. That's happened several times. <laughs> and, you know, there's different ways that things fail to happen. There, one way is like you tried, but you just weren't good. Um, right. And that's, that, I think that, that in that situation, the action happened. It was just a failure. But I think right. another thing that happens a lot is, you know, you decide to do something, but really you decide to tell someone else to do something, and then they don't actually do it. Right. Um, so there's like a fancy term for this in economics. It's called the principal agent problem. And the, the premise of the principal agent problem is that someone owns something, they're the principal, and they hire somebody, the agent, to actually carry out their uh, goals of how they uh, treat that thing that they own. So for sure. instance, the board is the principal um, and the CEO is the agent in a normal company. You might think of like, I don't know, in... Um, in like an old fashioned farm or something like that. There's like the person who owns it. And then there's the person who actually like runs the farm. That's kind of right. like a classic uh, example of a principal and an agent. And so the yeah. principal makes decisions uh, and they are interested in sort of themselves, but the agent is inter interested in their selves. And so they will often do things that benefit the agent, but not benefit the principal. And the principal agent problem in economics is trying to figure out creative incentive structures, basically, to align their interests. So why am I talking about this? I mean, I do know that I have told my kids to clean their room like three times today, <laughs> and it did not get done. <laughs> yeah, totally. So this happens. Um, I I would assume that you're probably talking about this because of the, the uh, autonomous parts of the DAO. Exactly, right. So... The, the, the key adjective there, autonomous, means that the decision-making process automatically causes the actions to take place. There is no sort of like capricious will of humans deciding that oh, maybe I won't actually carry out that demand um, of the decision-making process, that the decision happens automatically. And uh, we don't really have examples of autonomous organizations um, in sort of like the real world. Kind of we do with machines because machines basically provide a user interface, which is kind of like the decision-making apparatus. And when you press the button, it automatically happens. There's no one that like has to decide to quote, really do it. It happens right. automatically. And so, so an autonomous organization would be one where if, for example, the board decided to sell shares, they were like automatically sold. It didn't, there we, it, when the board decided to sell shares, that didn't mean that decided to ask somebody to press a button to then sell the shares. So why have we been all of a sudden hearing so much about DAOs now rather than never before? Yeah. So the thing is, is that 
Um, the only way to do things automatically is for those resources and those actions to be able to take place automatically without any intervention. And the thing is, is that uh, intervention by humans uh, is sort of necessary when you're like moving around pieces of paper or when you don't um, have a way to trust the decision-making process. And when I say trust the decision-making process, I don't mean trust that the decision-making process is wise or something like that. What I mean is like actually trust that the decision-making process really ran. So clearly people are very suspicious of computer voting machines, um, at least in America. Yeah. Um, and uh, those are situations where, uh, you know, the decision isn't even automatic. You know what I mean? It's like, it's still part of this. It's like input to this larger process. But imagine if we were going to, uh, like you and I, for instance, uh, and our friend, we're going to, uh, I don't know, combine all our bank accounts together and then vote on how to spend the money. Um, then we need to like tally the votes somehow. And uh, maybe I suggest, uh, you know what, guys, how about, you know, obviously we're going to have secret votes. So what maybe what we should do is, Chris, you send your vote to me. And then Brian, he'll send his vote to me. And then, I mean, I'll just know what my vote is because I'll just keep it secret from you guys. And then I'll just release the money, you know, with whatever the, however things vote. That seems fair. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just make sure that it's secret. You, I won't tell you guys what the votes are. And, you know, it, it turns out that everybody wants to give their money to me. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yes, that would make sense. Um, I, it yeah. feels, it feels like what, what you just described is actually what we're doing right now with, with with reach is you and I are putting all of our livelihood and everything. And you and I now vote to do it. So maybe like using how, how would using a, a DAO work in a company setting? Yeah. So uh, I, I, I want to get there, but let's right. just like back up just a little bit. So in that scenario where uh, Jay receives the secret votes, the problem is, is that Jay is trusted. Now Jay is trustworthy, but like if we gave it to Brian instead, he's not trustworthy. So we can't, we can't do that. Um, yeah, exactly. So the value of the DAO really comes from this next adjective, which is the decentralized. So okay. we call it a decentralized autonomous organization because it runs on a decentralized consensus network. So decentralized consensus network is the fancy term for what people commonly refer to as just a blockchain. A blockchain right. is like a tool that you use to make a consensus network. Consensus means uh, agreement. So everyone agrees on the outcomes of what happens. In this case, we're agreeing on the outcome of the decision-making process. And it's decentralized because there's not a single uh, central agent that is trusted and in charge of carrying out the operation that collaboratively the entire network executes the algorithm in a way that there's no one place where you can quote, attack it and change the outcome. And there's no one person uh, or one group that has trust in the system. So because it is decentralized, it is trustworthy, and therefore it can be autonomous because we can make it so that when the decision-making algorithm releases an action, it immediately actually happens. And this is also um, enabled by the fact that typically consensus networks, in fact, also have, re have resources because they have tokens and their currency and all those sorts of things. And those are uh, the resources of most DAOs. Okay. Uh, but does do tokens 
are the are they the only thing that can be the resources in a DAO? Yeah. So this is kind of the thing that I was saying before. Like some DAOs, their resources um, is like their identity. Like your the fact that you are the DAO. Sorry, the fact that the DAO uh, is its own thing is itself its own kind of resource. So as an example, you know the uh, U.S. Surgeon General. Uh, they I'm sure that they have a budget. I have no idea what it is. But the the more important thing that they have is they have, I am the U.S. Surgeon General. The U.S. Surgeon General says, you know, right. uh, vanilla ice cream is not a flavor. Um, you know what I mean? Like the, the right. fact that they can say things uh, is what makes them powerful. And so uh, the DAO is like that. So a DAO could, in fact, have no resources. Um, a it DAO could, could have, be a, a Twitter account. Yeah, exactly. You know, the fact that the DAO did this. And in fact, you know, there are DAOs like this. Because basically DAOs that are so-called oracles, effectively, this is what they do. They, right. The fact that they utter something is what their power is. Um, but yeah, so they can have tokens. That's kind of the obvious thing. But they can also like own NFTs. Um, the f- and saying something, a special kind of saying something is calling a function on another smart contract. And so that's a valuable resource that you can hold. Um, so there's a variety of things that you can do. Another thing that they hold, of course, is their own configuration. So you could like, you know, vote to change the constitution, for instance. Are DAOs needed in blockchain? Mm, I don't know. It's hard to decide. Uh, I think that in the real world, we clearly have companies, but we also have things that are like companies, um, but don't have that common ownership. So what I mean by that is... Um, you know, you could go down to the bazaar, like the marketplace, and you could like go over here and like hire someone to do your accounting and then go over there and like buy some lunch and then go over here and like pay someone to be your cleaner. And you could actually like individually hire a whole bunch of different people to do right. a whole bunch of little individual tasks. And that's like you buying a particular service that you need. Um, but instead, many of those things that I mentioned Uh, In fact, companies actually combine all those together under one roof. So they would have, you know, their own accounting department. They would have cleaners. They would have like a cafeteria. They would have video videographers rather than like hiring external ones. And so that tells us that uh, given that they're freely choosing to do this, there's some benefit for combining those things or centralizing them inside of one group. This is called the theory of the firm in economics. And so the theory of the firm is basically like, why do firms exist at all? And there's a wide variety of uh, answers to this question. But the main idea is sort of like uh, every time you like interact with people, like renegotiating with them, like what the terms are is expensive. So if you have sort of that constitution about how we're going to work, you know, it makes it so that it's simpler. I can hire you like you're going to make all my videos for this long period of time. And because you're making it for this long period of time, we can like negotiate once. And it's sort of like the fact that we've done that makes it easier to do this work in the future. So I think that that's kind of a justification for why DAOs exist. Um, I think though, the main reason that people care about DAOs is they see them as a way to pool resources, which is also kind of one of the the origins of companies, right? As companies as a way for people to pool resources and do things that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. But what are the pros of a, a DAO rather than an actual organization? A good old fashioned business company. Uh, I see what you're saying. So uh, you're saying like, why do we want a DAO as opposed to like a human space company? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that this autonomous quality um, is like a claim that you can make 
to your customers or your stockholders or something like that. So, uh, you know, like Jay and Chris are really trustworthy, uh, but you can't look at our source code and be really sure that we're going to really do what we say we, we're going to do. Um, obviously, our reputation is on the line every time you say you're going to do something and figure out whether or not you really do. Um, but the autonomous uh, agent uh, is sort of inherently trustworthy because you can see what it's going to do. And so I think that that means that the autonomous organization is a different product than the normal organization. And I think that this is why it's especially valuable for these resource pooling situations. I'm going to take it one step further. Um, yeah. That's because the autonomous place and you know what's going to happen, you don't necessarily even need identity uh, because it would allow you know what's going to happen no matter who it is. So you like, like in the regular business, you need to know who Jay is. You need to know who Chris is because if we don't do anything, you can go sue us. Yeah. But if, if we, if you know exactly what we have to do, when we have to do it, you don't need to know I'm Chris or you're, you're Jay as well. So it allows for an organization to, to exist without the people or the participants actually knowing each other. Yeah. And so that trustlessness makes it so that organizations will exist that wouldn't have existed before because it would be too expensive for everyone to find out who they are. And so right. that is like another way of saying that the autonomous organization has extra features. It's more reputable and you can care less about the individual people that are there. But you know me, I, I'd like to talk about practical things rather than yeah. high level abstract <laughs> thoughts. Let's, let's talk about a real use case for a DAO. Let's talk yeah. about how, how somebody like us would, uh, would implement a treasury DAO, say a treasury DAO that's has multiple different types of tokens and the DAO gets to decide um, what to do with those tokens or the, yeah. the governance. Yeah. So um, I'm going to simplify this by saying that there's just one kind of token. So, All right. Because I don't think it's going to make really that big of a difference. Okay. Um, but it's possible. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's possible. possible to... It's possible to have okay. one from multiple. But um, think of this as like, uh, um, like a grant organization. Um, mm -hmm. like a foundation. So, you know, we are familiar with, I don't know, like the Bill and Melinda Gates or the Rockefeller Foundation or something like that. And so there's or this big- the Algorand Foundation. Or the Algorand Cause, Foundation. Because we're talking about blockchain. Yeah, or the <laughs> Ethereum Foundation. There's a lot of right. these. In the blockchain world, there are these foundations. And um, they basically have uh, a goal. Um, and that goal might be like, I don't know, destroying uh, uh, polio, for instance. Of course. Um, and so they have a whole bunch of resources, the, the money, their endowment. Right. And then people come up to them and they say, I know a really cool way to get rid of polio. Check this out. This is a proposal. And then the, you know, the organization has some rules for deciding, okay, well, you know, like you got to make sure that you give me like a 15 page document and you have to have like a, a really cool resume. And like, maybe you can take me out to lunch too. And after I take all this input in, I'll decide, okay, yes, I'll give you the $10,000 or whatever. Okay. So that's sort of like the basic premise of a treasury organization. And so right. what the treasury DAO does is, you know, it's got a whole bunch of coins, you know, it's got a whole bunch of algos or a whole bunch of ETH. So that's, that's your little pool. And then the actions that you take are basically releasing them. So paying them off to somebody. And then what the, you know, there's this concept of like a proposal, which is like a proposed action, which is sort right. of like the input 
it's like the, the first piece of input to the decision algorithm. So I say something like, Jay has a really cool idea for killing polio. Here's how it works. You give mm-hmm. Jay 10,000 algos and then I'll get rid of polio. Okay. And so right. that proposal goes up and then now there's a decision-making process. And at this point, you know, there's a million ways that we can talk about this, uh, about how, to, how the decision works. There's really simple stuff like Chris decides. Okay. So this is, this is what, this is what's called personal rule. Okay. So one person just gets to decide what it is. Uh, then, you know, there's sort of simple voting. So like there's some concept of like the members of the DAO and they could just have a vote. And mm-hmm. obviously there's tons of voting systems that are out there. So, you know, there's like first past the post, right? Where you just have to get 51% of the electorate really in the real world is 51% of the people who showed up. <laughs> um, but you can which, also- Which imagine- is a problem in DAOs uh, recently. Yeah. So, I mean, you could change it. So you could say, well, it's not 51% of the people who showed up, but we could actually just say, well, you need 51% of the people period, or you could define a quorum where, you know, 30% have to show up. And then of the people who showed up, half of them have to decide. So there's a large uh, theory of voting systems. And, uh, you know, so you know that I'm a theoretician, right? Of course. Yeah. So have you ever heard of uh, Kenneth Arrow's impossibility theorem? I have not. Can you please tell me about it? <laughs> yeah. So this guy, Kenneth Arrow, he got the Nobel Prize in economics. Um, and, How long ago? Uh, um, I believe it was in the 50s, but now I want to double check. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm searching right now. Impossibility theorem. Okay. When did he get it? Hmm. He published it in 1951. Um so I was right in the 50s, but I don't know when he actually got the, he got okay. the, the Nobel you know Prize. What? I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah. Close enough. Okay. So uh, basically, uh, people, people really like what are called ranked choice voting systems, um, right. where rather than just saying yes or no, we would say like, okay, there's five proposals. So proposal number one is Jay is the president. Proposal number two, Chris is the president. Proposal number three, my cat is the president. Proposal number four, I don't know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, I like Arnold. I'm an I'm a kid of the '80s. Okay, so anyways, uh, so we 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 can rank these. And the thing is, is that whether or not your rankings are actually input to the process, people actually in fact have preferences. You know what I mean? They have rankings. The right. real question is like whether the the algorithm knows about them. Okay, so the arrows and possibility theorem basically says that. Um, you cannot create a a voting system that always satisfies these three properties. Property number one is that if everybody likes Jay over Chris, obviously, then uh, the voting algorithm will guarantee that Jay will win over Chris. The next one is is that if everybody, uh, if nobody changes their mind between Jay and Chris, but then we... Um, but then we like add other people, um, then the likelihood of the entire group choosing Jay or Chris won't have any impact. And then the third thing is that there's no dictator where the dictator gets to just determine what the group does. Okay. And so those are three desirable properties. And the impossibility theorem is a mathematical proof that you can't come up with a voting system that has all of those. So anyway, so that's not relevant. That's just a cool little tidbit. If you want to go learn about it, you can. But uh, I, who who needs university? Just, just listen to these podcasts. You can learn everything you want in the yeah, world. Yeah, totally. Okay, so anyway, so you're going to vote. So there, people have all sorts of cool ways that they want to vote, and you could do that. Okay. Um, I personally really like 
the idea of DAOs uh, that have um, weird old government voting systems. So okay. what I mean by weird old government systems is like in the real world, you know, like there's the house, right? And the house has to like vote to allow a proposal to go to the Senate. And then the yeah. Senate has to vote. And then right. after the Senate votes, then the president can veto it. And in fact, where did these House and Senate members come from? Well, there was another vote among all the members. Right. So you could totally make a DAO that like recreated the, the fascinating structure of American democracy sure. uh, in their DAO. And you could also yeah. do weird stuff too, like, um, you know, uh, have it be that, uh, I don't know, you could like sell your votes, which is pretty fun. You could have it be that your votes are a proportion of like how much capital you invested in the DAO originally. So there's yeah. all sorts of creative ways. And that, by the way, capital-based DAO, that's basically how most um, companies run their uh, run their votes, right? Because you base, basically the individual shares vote, not people. You could, I mean, the, the you could incentivize the actual voters as well. Um, but yeah, I, let's keep going. We're actually way off topic, by the way. We I asked you one thing a while ago and we're... <laughs> We're way yeah, off sorry. Of I just—it's just so fascinating because there's so many different angles on this. This is anyways, this is the this is now the J show. Just so yeah, you all know. Sorry about that. Sorry, it's just so cool. <laughs> so anyway, so there's so many cool options, and so I think you said uh, I think the original question was like, uh, what do we do with the Treasury DAO? Let's let's build a Treasury DAO. And, yeah. Let's, okay. Let's bring it back there. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, so what do we do DAO. to build a Treasury DAO? Yeah. So we're gonna make a smart contract that's gonna hold the tokens. Okay. So yeah. that's sort of like obvious. Right. Then what we're going to do is we're going to have a way for people to submit these proposals. And so a proposal, to really simplify it, let's just say uh, who the person is, sorry, uh, what the amount is, and then um, uh, where the money's going to go. So 10000 so to Jay. One thing that I actually I like a lot to add onto yeah. this is when only the people in the actual governance can um, propose so that people that to propose have to find a sponsor to do it. So you, it cut, cuts down the potential spam. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that that's just another weird voting system, right? Sure. By the way, I'm going to keep jumping in here just so you say something controversial. So far, I've agreed with everything you said. So usually, usually I jump in, but <laughs> yeah. So, so we start uh, throwing you card balls. So just be ready. Yeah. Okay, good, good. So anyway, so um, I say uh, give 10 grand to Jay, uh, okay. and then that's a proposal, okay? And so now we go into the voting process okay. as we use one of those voting algorithms. We collect all the votes, and um, you know, you're going to have to limit the amount of time, right? Uh, probably. That's probably part of your voting system. So maybe what we'll do is we'll say something like, from when I submit the proposal, it's got to be voted on in like three weeks or something like that. Okay. And then we collect a bunch of votes and we define like a quorum. So let's just say that like 10% of the people have to have to vote at all. And then 50 and then 51% have to do it. So that's really simple. Mm -hmm. And then basically how it's going to work is, is that um, after the three week mark uh, automatically. And when I say automatically, what I mean by that is that like in the code, there's going to be like, a function that you call, <laughs> okay? And the function is going to be called do the thing, <laughs> you know, do like okay. execute this proposal. And that this function is going to say, hmm, this proposal is number 82. And then I'll go look at 82. And this got submitted uh, on September 1st. And it's, it's after September 1st plus three weeks. And 
uh, 200 people voted and uh, 101 of them said yes. So now I do it. And this function can be called by anyone on the planet. Of course. So, and but, but why wouldn't that just be automated? Why can't that just like when the time comes, just, just run? Yeah. So this is actually kind of a interesting thing about blockchain. Uh, on your normal computer, you can uh, have like a timer running, right? Where your right. computer just like does stuff. It like checks your email or whatever. Um, and uh, how these timers actually work in the real world is actually kind of cool. Like there actually is like a little- Wait, wait, that's another another talk. Let's, let's okay. keep stay on <laughs> okay, course sorry, this sorry, time. Sorry. Okay, there's a crystal in your computer. Um, so anyways, uh, <laughs> so the thing is, is that the, the blockchain computer doesn't have this automatic process. Uh, okay. the, it, it basically is um, uh, like an input enabled computer, which means that it just responds to input. So okay. someone needs to actually do something. Now you might think like, oh, well we can make it so like the last person that voted like automatically runs it. But the yeah. thing is, is that um, we don't want the 101st person to have something happen. We actually want 51% of however many people voted. So we need to wait until the time period is over. Cause what if like all the people say yes at the beginning and then all the no's happen. We don't right. want to be fooled by that. So anyways, this is what we got to wait. But then once we wait, anybody could send the message to the contract that says, actually run it. So that, that actually defeats the, the autonomy just a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. Um, because if you, if, if like- If nobody does anything, nothing yeah, happens. If, no, if nobody does anything. And it's not so much if nobody does something. It's like, Jay really wants to get that 10 grand. So, so I'm trying to send the message, but Chris has like, cut the cords to my house. And right. then, you know, I drive down the street and he like spams Starbucks so that Starbucks can't get any packets out. You know what I mean? So like, right. there's kind of this hole right there. We can talk about maybe fancy voting systems that can get around that. Of course, fancy voting systems, right? The real problem is that just make sure that everyone has to vote, right? right. So there's there's the quorum is 100%. And then if you know how many people there are, you can make sure that the last person- just wait until yes. you're 100% done. Well, don't, no, you wait until you're 51, wait until you're 51% yes. You don't need yeah. to wait until everyone's voted if you if you only say yes if 51% of the entire electorate has said yes. Okay, so anyways, so then this message happens and then boom, the money gets transferred. And so that is the autonomous action. We didn't have to say, hereby the council has voted, secretary, send the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just tells the votes. <laughs> exactly. There's no, there's no weird tallying process because everyone can go inspect the blockchain and like see the votes. And so that is the that is the basic stripped down DAO. That is like the simplest thing that you could possibly do. And people have then enhanced this with all sorts of features that are kind of implausible with real organizations. And that's kind of one of these things. This is what I was saying where the autonomous organization is like a different product because it can do more stuff. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, you can do stuff like... Uh, Wait, I'm going to ask for a feature. Okay. You yeah. tell me. How, okay. Um, well, just, I want to no, tell you about I, the I cool... I want to be part of this conversation. Jay. No, you can't be part of it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> what if I am a funder and sure. I fund a lot and then I do not like the proposal that through, but it passes? What can I do? This is the feature that I was going to say. Oh, we're, we're so in sync. <laughs> okay. So Malik Dow has this feature. They call it rage quitting. Mm -hmm. Um, so the idea with rage quitting uh, on Malik Dao, and I apologize to Malik Dao if I do not describe this perfectly. Uh, 
think I'm describing a cool rage fitting feature and I'm saying Malik Dow is awesome. Okay. So okay. I'm not, I'm not, if there are any flaws in what I say, they're flaws in me, not Malik Dow. Malik Dow is cool for, for having this. Maybe, so maybe, maybe Amin will watch this and then comment. Yeah, there you go. So there's a, there's a week that goes by when we vote. And then after we vote, there's another week that goes by before you can, uh, you can actually execute the code. Um, and during that week, people can quit. But the thing that's cool is that they actually have to quit the entire DAO. And when, uh, when you're voting, the proposal doesn't say, give me 10 grand. It says, give me 1% of everything the DAO has, or give me 2% of everything the DAO has. And right. so what this means is that now during that period of time, people can leave the DAO and say, you know, I originally invested, you know, 10 grand, but I don't want to spend this on Jay's stupid polio plan because like everyone knows that Jay doesn't even know what polio is. I don't know what polio is. I, I know that FDR had it, but I don't actually know right. what it is. Close um, yeah, there you go. Uh, and so now we rage quit. And so what that means is I take the money out. And because I take the money out, that means that I get my entire capital back. And the, the proposal still passed, but it just that 1% that it gets is going to end up being less money. Right. And so that's kind of a weird thing to have in the real world. Um, because, mm, I don't know, it's like, there's like this second level of voting. And I think that this is kind of, um, it's kind of cool, right? Because one of the things that's frustrating about voting is, uh, you don't always get what you want. I have right. to get what all the people on my town like, not just what Jay likes, right. you know? But, it, but it's also painful. Because you have to, like in this instance, you would have to completely, you can, I can never vote again. Yeah, well, right. I mean, you could rejoin the DAO later. Sure, if they let you in. Yeah, if they let you in. Yeah. And so that's kind of an example of one of the creative things that you can do with this. Because, you know, in the normal world, it's really hard to make a new way of voting. You know what I mean? Like people are trying to do that all the time with governments and they can't do it. People, it, it's actually really hard to, in my understanding, to make new corporate governance rules because a lot of the corporate governance rules are actually decided by whatever state you're in. Um, okay, Jay. Yeah. What? Do you want another feature? No, I want to do another feature, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, oh, Jay, I'm going to pretend I don't know this answer. And hopefully you, you let me know what it is. Okay. Um, what, what happens? What happens if, you know, a DAO can't code, a DAO can't write contracts. What happens when a DAO ha chooses to do something that isn't necessarily on the blockchain. Is there something that can do? Like, does what happens? So, um, what I mean, what you mean is like the DAO decides to like sell Jay's car. Let's, let's say, let's do it this way. Say that the this DAO is actually an investment DAO, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and they invest in companies. Yeah. The say Jay has you know Jay's RS. And it's a not a blockchain company. It's just a regular old toy selling company. Yeah, I the the Chris Dow and all the millions of Chris's yeah. uh, wants to invest in the the uh, the J Dow. How how does that work? It, it, you're in the real world. We're in the fantasy land blockchain world. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I could like. I'm not allowed to have a the the Jays R Us are not allowed to have a, an account on on um on the chain um because the thing is like you have to then um also because i'm not just giving you the money i'm actually getting equity from you ah i see what you're saying so what you're saying is is that like 
the treasury dad that we talked about before it like is a donation you know what i mean when you right. give a grant uh yeah, you're supposed to write a report, but uh, you know, what if you never write it? I mean, they already gave you the money. Um, right. So basically like the only reason that you actually do what they tell you to do is probably because you want more money in the future. Um, sure. And, but that's not the way that like normal contracts work where when you invest in a company, like they actually have to pay you dividends or they actually have to let you vote. Or they actually have to have to do these things later. And right. anything that is in the normal world uh, is not autonomous which means that it's ultimately enforced by capricious humans uh, who, if they don't do what they say, yeah, you can take them to court, but then the, who knows what the judge is going to do. It's really expensive right. to do these sorts of things. Exactly. You can have the DAO um, like choose an agent uh, who will act in the real world. But uh, yeah, but then the problem with that is that this is just the, the principal agent problem. How do, you, how do you trust that person to carry right. out the wishes of the DAO? At that point, um, yes, the DAO has autonomously made the decision to tell their agent to do something, which right. is still valuable, actually, right? It's because, yeah, because you can still get these fancy voting systems. You can still get this decentralization of having people who don't trust each other come together. Uh, right. But you still have to have at least one trusted agent that's going to act in the real world. And right. um, I think one of the things that is a little bit frustrating sometimes with the blockchain world is that. People think that if something isn't perfect, it's not good at all. Um, and I think that this it is happens an example. all the time. Yeah, I think that I think that this is an example of that. People would look at this situation of having the agent of the DAO out there in the real world buying companies, doing things, mm -hmm. and they would say, "Oh, well, we can't do that because that's not a real DAO." But uh, I think that it, it provides a valuable service, and it's no less trustworthy than your current investment company when you go invest something in Vanguard. I mean, you're just asking right. them to do something. Yeah, I, we hear all of this a lot in oracles, um, and uh, we're not going to talk. Don't worry, we're not going to talk about oracles today. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, when we do talk about oracles, maybe next time, uh, we'll talk about the oracle problem. And this is one of those big things that people are like, "Oh, there's an oracle problem. Let's throw everything out and let's not do blockchain at all," which is wrong. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of my perhaps contrarian perspectives is Finally. that. Uh, I don't think that a DAO is decentralized, really. It's decentralized because it runs on a decentralization network. But the, the whole point of a DAO is to actually centralize resources. So taking the fundraising scenario, like I could just fundraise by me, Jay, launching a contract that says, please give me 10,000. And if you give me 10,000, then I'll go, you know, destroy polio. And... Um, there's no reason to involve a DAO in fundraising because uh, the DAO, the whole point of it is, is that it centralizes resources, makes it so that uh, some voting algorithm is going to decide what happens to a whole bunch of people's money, which means that the whole point of it is to make it so that if Jay, Chris, and Brian pool our money and J Chris and Brian decide to do something, Jay can't do anything about it. So it's just a way of taking Jay's money without his permission. I mean, he's sort of, I'm giving permission beforehand by participating in the DAO, but uh, anything that could have happened that everyone wanted, like if a DAO had 100%, uh, if, you had to, if you had to get to a 100% threshold, then all of those things would have happened anyways, because I would have just given the money. And the only time that the DAO exists then is for when there's less than 100%, which means that it's just a scheme for taking money from someone who doesn't want to give it away to this particular project. I mean, with that attitude, 
is there is anything truly decentralized then? Well, I mean, you know, a decentralized protocol like we talked about before with Uber and like we've talked about, um, you know, with like just a market of people launching their contracts that they control that do things, all those are truly decentralized. But with the Moloch DAO and the ability to rage quit, you are you are in control of your resources and you know, you could choose to not participate and leave. How like how is that not decentralized? Well, this is actually my point. My point is, is that anything that the Moloch DAO would have decided, um, imagine that everyone who votes no always rage quits. In that case, the Moloch DAO actually does nothing. It doesn't no, do anything. No, because remember, this is what I said earlier, is that it's important that the rage quit is more painful than just not participating in the vote. So it's it's just being like like the whole idea with the Moloch DAO and the the pain, the, how hard it is to get back in is that when you're out, now you're on the outside and now you have a reputation of, you know, bad. So you, you'd either have to change, change to a different identity and then build up a new identity. Um, it's painful to actually rage quit. And because of that, I believe that it's still decentralized because you, um, the, the pain of saying no and not giving it to you is more than, um, yeah. So that, that's my thought. Hmm. I mean, I agree that that is interesting. Uh, and potentially valuable. I think my point is just that we have to understand that the the reason to vote is to take things from minorities. That's like that's why voting exists. Yeah. Uh, because the the majority, you know, and you can have like any voting system that does not demand unanimity is going to have some definition of a, of a majority. I mean, you could obviously right. have like a minority voting system where the thing happens, which the least people want. I mean, you could do that. I don't think that uh, that's a common thing. Probably not. Yeah. So anyway, so the whole point of voting is, is that people disagree about what should happen. And somebody is the thing that, okay, whatever, even though people disagree, we're doing this. And so um, I think that that is a little bit unsatisfying because when I look at blockchain, the thing that I find really cool about it is the idea that like you could individually control all your stuff and you could you could you know donate to exactly the stuff that you like you know uh like for instance you really like national parks but you only like national parks uh that have swamps in them and right. who cares about these mountains give me a break mountains and so you want to support the park service but only if they're swamps um you know you could do that uh, if each park is its own, uh, you know, charity that you can directly donate to. So let, let's circle back at the whole stance. That's yeah. Maybe maybe I, maybe I don't fully understand what you mean by this, but and maybe maybe everybody out there listening, one hundred percent. So tell me again, why are DAOs not decentralized? Because yeah, okay. everybody can control their own um, vote, and it's com- they're completely separate. And yes, you're you're completely right. The whole idea of a organization is to, you know, take from the minority and go with the actual market. So how is that not decentralized? A DAO has like a pool of proposals. And these proposals are decided upon by the DAO itself as a central unit. And right. people influence the DAO and then the DAO does stuff to proposals. Right. In contrast, my claim is is that any proposal could itself be its own independent contract that 
existed separately from everything else. And the way that that proposal worked is, is that it would allow people to give the resources to that proposal. And right. if the proposal reached the quorum of uh, being able to do the action, then it would carry out the action. And if it didn't reach that within some period of time, then people could take back their resources. So if this were the case, then my claim is that everything that a DAO can do can be done by these individual proposals, except for two things. Thing number one is the centralized voice where this right. DAO did this thing. And then the other thing that it can't do is it can't take things from people who didn't want to give it to them. So is a hive mind a centralized mind? Um, I don't know what a hive mind actually is. Um, you know, like a hive mind in, um, I don't know, uh, Starship Troopers is like a magical brain that, you know, controls things from far away that is centralized. And the fact that it's so centralized. I, I get, you know, you're and, touche. And all, yeah. And in, in all of the, in all of, in, in my mind, the whole point of hive mind and media is you go kill the central processing unit and then you kill all the bugs. Right. Um, you know, you got to avenge Rio. So um, I'm just trying to figure out what a decentralized organization would ever look like. Uh, so a decentralized, decentralized autonomous organization. Right. Exactly. Yeah, my, what would they even point, look like? Yeah. My point is, is that a decentralized, decentralized organization is the bazaar. You know what I mean? It's just me standing on the corner being like, donate to my polio fund. You know, it's like. Right. We, so we you think like you're saying the Kickstarter is a decentralized, decentralized or <laughs> Basically. Yeah. It's a DD except, except that um, Kickstarter uh you know obviously they they take a portion by the way i mean a decentralized kickstarter so like a yeah fundraising anybody that wants to pay can pay but the but the issue though so a treasury dow a treasury dow slash foundation uh the decentralized version of that are individual you know kickstarter contracts floating around and the thing that they can't do is they can't take money from people who don't want to support the project but a treasury dow can this is a very interesting conversation because we're we're getting into like the because a lot of people can combine decentralization with trustlessness and a lot of like the features of blockchain and you can have trustlessness without decentralization is what you're saying. Exactly. And that's valuable, right? And of course the thing that's weird is that they are decentralized just at a different level. Right? It's like the decentralization of the network provides this central unit that right. the central unit is autonomous and trustworthy because it ran on this decentralization thing, but it doesn't have the true, you know, oof or whatever of decentralization. There's this other decentralization thing that could exist. And I'm not saying that I think DAOs as we normally think of them are useless. I think that this idea of like pooling resources and you don't get to say on everything, like that's actually valuable. You know what I mean? And sometimes you actually want that. Like 100%. Yeah. Maybe for instance, uh, I actually like really trust you, Chris. I like, yeah. and this is actually true. I in fact trust Chris. And so I like being overridden by Chris sometimes when we're making decisions because it means that he has information that I don't have. And if my goal is to like do good in the world, let's say, cause that's kind of what a, what a foundation does. It has some yeah. notion of good and it wants to do good. It's kind of nice to like have a process where we're like, well, I trust all these people. I trust this process. And I know that if it gives off money, that's actually better than what I would have done before. And so I, mean, I guess kind of what I'm saying is, is that although this rage quitting feature is cool and cute in Moloch DAO, 
I kind of don't like it because it implies that the people who want to rage quit, like, what's wrong with them? Why don't, why don't they support the DAO? Right. I mean, that's that's a great point. I mean, especially in investment, people want to listen to the majority as far as investment goes. And so you get in the group that tells you where to invest your money and you go with the group because if you could invest better than the rest of the group, you why were, why are you in the DAO in the first place? Yeah. So um, something that uh, I thought you were going to go with this idea of the investing in the company yeah. um, is... Uh, you know, when you invest a company, you expect to get dividends right? Um, to pay, get paid back. And so it's kind of unsatisfying uh, if you can't do that on a DAO, because I don't want to just say, oh, just give Jay $10,000 for polio. I want right. to like, you know, give him $10,000 for making, you know, the, the polio, uh, I don't know. Let's go to my toy company. I'm going to make toys of FDR. So I'm going to make okay. FDR toys, and then I'm going to sell them, and then I'm going to make more than $10,000, and then I'm going to give some of it to you guys. Perfect. Yeah. The thing is, is that like, how do we enforce that Jay actually gives the money back? Um, and so if he's if he's selling stuff in the real world, like, can't do anything. You know what I mean? Right. But maybe what I do is, I don't know, I take your $10,000 and I like mint NFTs. There and you then go. The NFTs pay royalties <laughs> to the original DAO. But like, why did I need your capital to do that? Because <laughs> um, like the whole reason that you get investment, right, is to have capital so I could like, you know. Marketing. Mark Jay, you have to pay for marketing. So you, you got the investment from the DAO. So yes, that's why you do it. Yeah, there you go. Okay. I don't actually need to like, you know, make the most beautifulest bites. I, uh, right. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, I think that it's really fascinating to try to think about um, basically taking things that exist in the real world, trying to blockchainify them. Sure. In this case, an organization. We've done that. We've done that quite a bit so exactly. far. Exactly. That that's actually the whole point of this whole podcast or <laughs> right. video series is to try to take these things. And so, decentralized autonomous organizations are like the most er idea of that because. Um, you know, companies and people getting together, collaborating associations, like right. that's basically what it means to be human, to, you know, work yeah. together and do some big thing. And DAOs are an attempt to describe that in a blockchain way. And I yeah. think that a sort of a test of how good the blockchain is, is to see when we can or can't do that. And if we can't do it, is it because we're not being creative enough or because we need to like make blockchain better? Wait, was that a question to me? Well, I don't know. It's just sort of a just sort of a rhetorical thing. Like, why? When can't we do something? And you know, is the is the reason we can't do it like a fundamental thing or a just so happens thing? Like, for example, you know, it is conceivable to have a blockchain that, uh, like, okay, so you know USDC. So USDC, of course I do. They like actually have dollar bills in a vault somewhere. Right. Um, but you could make something like USDC that like had, you know, Tesla shares and Apple shares and I don't happens know. Happens all the time. Yeah. Like if you could do that in a way where they could credibly give the dividends to the owners of them, then it would actually be feasible to directly invest in companies and get dividends without uh, the same situation. And we could, of course, imagine a world where those are actually the real shares. You know what I mean? Yeah. The shares are actually those ones, not the pieces of paper out in the world. Right. And I so think Jay, that, yeah, we have been everywhere 
in this yeah, conversation. Totally. I hope people are actually going to follow it. Uh, <laughs> it. It's been a lot, lot of fun, but I think we should end it here. Um, sure, what yeah. do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So a DAO is a uh, organization that runs on the blockchain. Um, and because it's running on the blockchain, that makes it more trustworthy because the blockchain allows the um, an algorithm to control what the program, what the organization does as opposed mm -hmm. to people. And by an algorithm controlling it, that means that we know what it's going to do and the people can't willy-nilly change the rules on you. And that allows you to collaborate in a way that you wouldn't have collaborated before because you get to collaborate with people that you don't trust because you're not relying on some random yokel out there to follow the rules. You know that the algorithm is going to really do it. And people have deployed this really effectively for gathering funds to do what they believe is good in the world, particularly funding proposals to make blockchain better. And also to bring it back into reach, um, we are going to be building a DAO. And the idea is that we're going to open source it so that it's very easy for people to take it, modify it, do all those fancy voting systems for whatever you, uh, whatever they want to do and apply it to their system. Yeah. And I think that this is going to be one of those situations where the thing that's cool about DAOs is not the program, you know what I mean? Not like the coding thing. The coding thing is neat, but the thing that's going to be really exciting is how are you going to apply it? What group of people are you going to bring together? What actions are they going to do? What kind of proposals are you going to say that your DAO is about? And I think that people are going to be discover really cool ways of making DAOs for their niche. Like I would love to do it for my whiskey club. I think it'd be a really fun, fun thing to do. Yeah, you guys can, uh, you know, pool your your funds together, buy the coolest Bu kind of whiskey. Buy, I don't even buy know a barrel what, whiskey. I, I don't even know what whiskey, uh, what would be a cool barrel of whiskey, but there, there's got to be cool ones out they there. They are out there. I can promise you, Jay. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Well, thank you, everybody, once again, for um, uh, for listening to us. Uh, we, I am Chris, and this is Jay, and uh, we are the CEO and CTO of Reach. This is better on blockchain, or uh, this case would be uh, basics of blockchain, still BOB. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to talk more more to us about anything about DAO or pretty much anything at blockchain whatsoever, uh, you can go to our website, reach.sh, join our Discord, and both Jay and I are actually, I think we're one and two of the most frequently talking people on Discord. So we're happy to, happy to answer any of your questions. Yeah, spent uh, way too much time waking up in the middle of the night looking at uh, Discord being like, hmm, maybe I should answer this question at two in the morning. But, the answer uh, is always yes, Jay. Always yeah. yes. <laughs> well, thanks right. so much, everyone. See you later. Peace out. See you. Bye-bye.